What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Good Theology Podcast. I am Jake, and I am here with my co-host, David Campbell, and also my longtime friend, co-laborer in the ministry, and fellow vast creator. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> Michael Whittle. What's up, guys? How are you? Hello. Y'all doing How's good? How's everybody doing? Good to see you guys. Yeah, we're good. We're good. It's been a uh, it's been a couple of weeks, I think, um, since we've been on here. It's just been uh, a little bit of travel on David's end, some uh, busyness on my end as well. It's kept us away from recording our usual podcast, but but here we are. We're back. As We're the back one who the produces the show, as the one who produces the show, it's a little bit longer than two weeks, and I How know everyone it? is going to be so excited to hear both of your voices <laughs> again. Welcome back. How long has it been? I don't know. It's probably only been two or three weeks. That's what I thought. Let's see. Our last episode, other than today, May 25th. Yeah. It's been a couple of weeks. We're, we're doing a couple right. weeks. It's, it's not too not Everybody gets David, a break. Everybody gets a break. David, exactly. Yeah. We can't do it every week. David, how are you? You, you doing well? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Yeah. Good. Just came back from uh, your, your worldwide preaching tour. Well, we uh, had three great weeks in England, and then we had a few days holiday in Italy. I did try to set up... Um, a preaching engagement just so I could say I was globally apostolically active in Italy. Um, <laughs> and it kind of reduced to maybe we could have a Bible study over dinner. Um, hey, great. And it really did nothing. So I'm afraid um, my credentials uh, just, you know, have not been extended any further than they already were, which is a bit of a letdown. Still no, uh, still no global apostolic title then. Well, I don't know. Apparently, Theos has conferred it on me, but uh, you never know of those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, so today's a special episode because we are using this to make an announcement of sorts about a new, what shall we say, Michael, a new vertical or ex tool Yeah, <laughs> that uh, we over here at Vast Media have been working on uh, for the past several months, and it's about ready to be beta tested out in the world. And we've already had a grip of interest off of one seemingly innocent tweet from, from Michael over the weekend, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But Mike, why don't you share with everybody um, about this tool? Because it's very pertinent to a lot of our listeners. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm really excited about it. We uh, you know, we've produced, which is kind of crazy, Vast has produced, um, gosh, as a whole collective, probably close to 400 podcast episodes uh, in the past couple of years mm -hmm. uh, and all the associated content with it. We've probably talked to 30 or 40 different podcasters. We've probably talked to 50 different pastors. Um, and, you know, we've all been always just been about getting really strong theologically sound content into the world so that people could think about their faith. Uh, and so one of the things we found is that there were actually a lot of local church pastors that had podcasts just like this, um, mm -hmm. as well as a lot of faith-based podcasters. Um, and part of the barrier to entry is sometimes it's hard to record, sometimes it's hard to edit, and then on the back end of that, sometimes it's really difficult to turn that content, turn that that podcast into all the other accompanying content that co content that comes along with it. So 
Right. Um, we have created a product called Pulpit AI, which you can check out on pulpitai.com. Um, and basically, it is a, a tool that using AI, we say AI generated, human perfected, uh, you can upload the audio from your sermon or your podcast or both. Um, and this sort of proprietary artificial intelligence model that specializes is in analyzing audio uh, can pull uh, a whole bunch of different things from that. Could be highlights, it could be a summary, it could be an outline, it could be a devotional, a tweet, a blog, you name it. Uh, it essentially just helps turn your sermon uh, into accompanying, accompanying, accompanying content and um, really in, in the click of a button using artificial intelligence. So that's what it does. And uh, you can go to the website right now, sign up uh, just to get all the updates on the product we're working on, what a public launch is going to look like. But um, yeah, we're really excited about it. Yeah, we are because it is it is going to be something very helpful for people who are on you know the small to medium end of things when it comes to the podcasting world, or maybe they're a pastor leader in their church um, that don't have all of the funding necessarily to uh, have staffs adequate staffs to produce all of this supporting uh content what you know when it whether that's producing a, a post to go up on your instagram or to write the show notes for your episode that you you know put together this tool can be very uh helpful for that so can i share can i share yeah. the one thing that made us realize this was going to be really helpful for churches specifically yeah you have been doing a series here at our church on anxiety <laughs> and we uploaded the sermon to this platform. We uploaded the sermon, it analyzed the audio, and then we typed in into the prompt, uh, using the themes from this sermon, write a casual sounding text message that somebody could send to a friend, inviting them to church next week to listen to this mm -hmm. series on anxiety. Mm -hmm. uh, and literally in 10 seconds was uh, a text message taking into account the themes from the sermon that someone could literally copy, paste, edit, and send to a friend. So that's like the most practical application. And so when we read that, we were like, wow, this is this really has the ability to not just help content get out there, but actually help resource uh, church members uh, with stuff yep. based on their pastor's sermon. So that's like a, a practical yep. example of, of one of the things you can do. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay, cool. So I'm done, selling. I'm done selling now. I'm done selling now. Yeah. Go ahead. Pulpitai.com. Uh, it's a tool that'll be very useful for church staffs um, and podcasters for creating all of this rewarding content that goes along with the the thing that they've already created. And I think on the note of what you said in terms of AI generated, human perfected, I would say to be even more specific, it is uh, human generated, human created stuff, whether that be a sermon or or a podcast, that then the AI analyzes to help uh, draw out the supporting content that goes along with that, that then you, as the human, put the final stamp on and, and perfect and correct. Yeah. Finalize before you put it out into the world. So, so yeah. So you tweeted about this over the weekend in the, uh, how many followers do you have on Twitter, Michael? I don't know, like uh, not maybe 800. And 800. I don't, I, I tweet about I, things right. like the Dallas Cowboys and memes and <laughs> There's no it's through a, line. I'm not a Twitter thought yeah. leader, you know? <laughs> so you tweeted about about this tool that we've been working on, and which is very useful to us as people who uh, who run this this business fast uh, because we will use this personally 
all of the time for, as you said, the hundreds of podcast episodes that we put out. Um, and so you tweeted about it, you know, for people to uh, signal any interest that they had in terms of helping us beta test it. Within 24 hours, how many times had your tweet been viewed? <laughs> Something like 150,000. <laughs> <laughs> so you had this tweet go viral with a lot of excitement. Like we had like probably 250 people uh, submit their email, like really pumped on being able to use this. Yep. Wanting to um, test it, and interested in what we're doing. Yeah. 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 And then also, uh, you had uh, a variety of people push back on it as well. A lot of whom misunderstood what it is that the tool does. A lot of people saying that sermons should not be written by AI, which 100%, yes, we agree uh, com completely. But that's not what this does, uh, even remotely. And so uh, let's talk about that a little bit, because that was, I know, a really fascinating experience for you over the weekend and yeah what I mean, do we want funny. to say in response yeah i mean it, it was actually really funny i was sitting yeah. around last i think it was tuesday and i was like you know let's just put up a landing page and just share with our friends and see if there's anybody interested so i literally bought a website template for like 18 dollars. i built the thing myself i put it up online and on friday at like 6 p.m i just tweeted here's this thing we've been working on we think it's going to be a game-changing tool for pastors and went to bed and really didn't think much of it uh and then woke up the next morning to just a onslaught <laughs> and what had happened is i was introduced to this new corner of twitter where you have this academia and so what, what happened was there was a couple of really big accounts like that had more than a hundred thousand followers who saw this retweeted it without actually looking at what it did and and yeah thought that it was thought that it was uh, a sermon an ai sermon writer both right. of those accounts actually came back later without me even asking them to and corrected you know what they what they initially said um which was awesome but yeah it just it exploded and so there was two things happening it was going viral on twitter and then my inbox was just getting pinged literally every couple of minutes with a new email of someone signing up uh, for for wanting to 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 use this thing, so yeah, I think it was. My it was wife, funny. I mean, look, my wife told me that my wife told me that your wife told her that you had she had sent you to the grocery <laughs> store on like a basic like grocery pickup, like milk and eggs kind of thing, and you were gone for an hour and a half because you were sitting in your car <laughs> responding to emails and DMs. I was. It was. It was absolutely hilarious. But what it did it, is it. it it really did touch on this like <laughs> this conversation that apparently has been being had quietly that now is you know i guess out in the open of like what is this is it bad is it good should churches use it should they not and and also it honestly showed some serious misunderstanding as to what this kind of technology actually does can do i had christian publishers reach out to me not liking it it was it was really fascinating um and and honestly well, even you put the title on it pulpit ai <laughs> then you're setting yourself up i did i set <laughs> maybe, i set maybe myself I may, up name didn't help ourselves you know, I, I have to say that you know ai might generate a uh, better sermon content than a few sermons i've heard in my time <laughs> i you know i love that you saw that. i i was talking to chris palmer this morning as i called uh you, sir, and Chris Palmer just going like, hey, is there anything that I'm actually missing here? Like, am I doing, you know, are we thinking about this wrong? And Chris goes, you know, you could probably train AI to exegete scripture better than most pastors. So, you know, if you got to do what you got to do, <laughs> go ahead and go ahead and do it. 
<laughs> so anyways, dear, dear. our simple tool to help social media managers at churches create social posts based upon their pastor's sermon ignited this debate on Twitter that, you know, I think is a worthwhile debate, you know, for totally. sure. So here we are. And and yeah. now we've got this product. We are working tirelessly to get to all these folks that want to try it. So let's let's kind of like steel man the pushback for a moment because I think that's helpful to have a conversation. So obviously you have misunderstanding in terms of what the tool does and there's been some clarity there. But then you even have like a swath of people that understanding, I think, you know, to some degree uh, what, what it is AI does and what this tool specifically will do uh, that would still push back. Can you kind of summarize some of those arguments for us? Sure. Yes. Some of, some of the arguments were straight up technology related, right? Um, I had a, an Episcopalian blogger tell me that demons are in chat GPT, right? So there's like people that went that, that direction with it. The, the actually the most practical and, and actually something that I do understand the perspective on is uh, a sermon isn't content. So uh, people actually really, really took issue with us saying we could turn a sermon into content, right? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Or that a sermon was simply anything other than a message preached from a pastor to a congregation at a certain moment in time and an attempt to turn it into anything else actually uh, makes it not a sermon in the first place. Um, so with these so people there was also... people upset about calling this content in the, like, it was, how dare you turn a sermon into, into content. Right. Right. Was a, so, was so a huge piece of it. The, would those same people also take issue with like a, a human writing a tweet that is a quote from a sermon and posting that on Instagram? Cause that is technically content that quote. Correct. They it, would it have an issue It seemed to that. me that there was some issue with having a machine speak in their mind on behalf of God or on behalf of his scriptures, even if it is taken from a human-generated sermon. Right. Oh, a so lot of idiots speak on behalf of God, or claim to. I'm just trying to understand the, the, the issue. Like, so is it the fact that there's a machine that is aiding that process? Or is it the fact that you're taking a, 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 a piece of a sermon and putting it on online as a piece of content so that's where like a, if i'm working at you know some large church that has a staff of let's say 20 people some of these really really large churches probably have larger staffs than that that are dedicated solely to creating quote-unquote content based upon what the pastor's preaching or like are they also against niche i think it's a niche thing that uh, that whoever this person was uh has a um a view of preaching as a kind of an existential event obviously that takes place between the preacher and the congregation in the moment and and it isn't valid for anything outside of that moment and i don't think any of us could relate to that i mean right uh spurgeons certainly couldn't all the way up to martin lloyd jones or uh matt chandler you you know everybody's had their sermons published right uh in some way or another so it seems to me that right because by that definition even putting your sermon on a podcast is yeah right yeah it's it's only valid in the in the moment and i'm not really sure where that comes from it it, it could be in i mean mike referenced episcopalians um it could be something in that tradition 
I don't know. But but even then, you know, even when the Pope, uh, well, the Pope writes encyclicals, you know, I I don't know. I mean, I uh, I think it's something outside of our circle, anyway. And right. uh, but I just think it's interesting. The whole thing is interesting. I I think you know. I think Mike just cooked this up as a publicity stunt, to be honest. <laughs> uh, and let's be frank, it's worked. It's worked. So I think you should, you know, plug it a little bit more, you know. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we, we plan to. <laughs> we plan to. So here, let, let's, it, can, can, can I just read one? Yeah, I want to read one uh, because I think this is a, you know, it's interesting because some people gave actually very thoughtful like critiques and thoughts around around all of it. But uh, someone said, I'm conflicted about this tool. It's for adapting sermons into secondary format, transcripts, study questions, notes, not writing sermons. Transcription of sermons is potentially a good use of AI, but reducing the ministry of the word to content creation is a big mistake. So that, right. that was what I found was so interesting. And I actually would want both of your just thoughts on that. Like... <laughs> Are uh, we just great. are we just using are we just are we just playing like this kind of funny game with words when when I, I think so, like to me it's just like an argument of terms. Yeah. yeah. What 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 is if if a sermon is something completely different from content, quote unquote, then what content does a sermon have? Like, what are they talking about? I I'm not not sure. I I get it. Is it? Is it illegitimate to bring applications? Is it illegitimate for supposing you had a member of the congregation, for instance, that was delegated to sit in the congregation and, uh, you know, um, transcribe up, uh, responses or or for that matter, you know, people that sit there and put stuff as the preacher is going on on social media. Like, is that content creation? Is that wrong? Right. Um, I mean, I can't. Is it wrong for, you know, people to go out to a restaurant after church and discuss what the pastor was preaching and go through it? Is that some form of content creation or something? I don't even get that. I think that's, I don't, I don't understand what people like that are getting at. I can understand the objection, you know, you don't want a computer writing your sermons, mm -hmm. but if all you're doing is, uh, is, is taking stuff out of it, you know, to be uh, utilized in the form of a study question or a tweet or a Instagram post or something, you know, or even even to give a little summary of mm -hmm. the message uh, that could be distributed to members of the congregation. Uh, the 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 check on it is that if that the the you know that the, the the preacher should under certain circumstances, have some supervision of the content that goes out. You know, I wouldn't want, even if it was if it was um, artificially generated, I'd want to see what the computer had generated out of my content because yes. they it, it might have, have drawn an accurate point, but it might not have been the main point that I wanted to make. Right. Well, I run into that working with humans as well. Like sometimes well, we'll put sure. quotes up from a sermon of mine. And I'm like, oh man, wish they wouldn't have chosen that. Or they'll put up a clip. And I'm like, ah, I probably wouldn't have picked that moment. And and so I, I think either way you're going to run into that issue. And I agree with David. Uh, to me, it seems like we're, we're we're splitting hairs over terms here. And I, I can't say that I understand it 
except to say that perhaps some of these people have really strict boundaries in terms of what they're comfortable uh, using a sermon for beyond the moment it is preached. And so to me, I see all of this stuff as supporting. Even if you were to say, hey, you know, can you put out a 200 word blog that summarizes the main ideas of this sermon that, that I could take and go and, and work from? Uh, to me, that's helpful. Time is precious. We only have so much of it. Many preachers are already putting, you know, 10, 15 hours a week into writing their sermon. For that to have life beyond that moment um, and to to help uh, reach more people or to have uh, reach beyond that moment, I think is is helpful. So I, I, I can't understand the critique as I hear it. Another one that was interesting wasn't, you know, you just said something about it. Time is valuable. And, um, there was a few people that, that were like, okay, well, this is just going to eliminate a job from someone. Right. And, Hmm. and, um, I, I guess my thought on that would be in, in most churches that would use this, most churches would not have a full-time media person or social media person or communications person. That person is doing probably three or four different jobs. And so in my mind, if someone's job can be to, instead of sitting watching an entire sermon and figuring out the points to pull, they can run it through something like this uh, Mm -hmm. and then have content to then have it repurposed that that then frees that person up to do, in, in my opinion, more meaningful ministry, frankly, mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. than figuring sure. out what to put on social media. Would both of you, as people who have are and have been senior pastors, uh, I mean, how do you think about that? Certainly, one hundred percent. Say, oh, 100%. we don't need your job. We, we don't need your job anymore because you're not writing original social content, <laughs> no, right? No, no. Like we had, we have a staff. I think of eight eight people or so. And all of them wear multiple hats. And uh, something like an Instagram post, like that takes time. And so if this is going to free up their time so that they're not spending yeah. as much of it on something like this, that's a blessing for them. And, 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 and what about the pastors of small churches, which, you know, still the average church in the United States, for instance, has an attendance of, I think, less than 100 people. It's like 70 or 80. So, what about all that vast multitude where the pastor has to do everything? Surely this is a massive potential gift to small churches where, you know, we're not talking about a gift to the churches with multiple staff and social media people. We're talking about a massive gift to small churches where the pastor has to do all this himself and just doesn't have the time to do it. So it doesn't get done. It, it So this creates something that would never have existed otherwise. I mean, mm-hmm. I did blogs for about five years, and a lot of them were condensed versions of sermons that I'd given. Right. And if I'd had a tool like this, you know, I would have used it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have a, a PA, um, you know, somebody to, to do this. I had to do it all myself. Um, and so... Uh, you know, I would have really appreciated it. I mean, I would have looked at the finished product and edited it myself exactly. or whatever, but it would have just saved me a lot of time and I would have been very grateful for it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So full marks to you, Mike. Just have a forehead of flint, pay no attention, you know, to the criticism and reap in all the publicity you can. <laughs> 
I, I think once people use it and they see how practically beneficial it is and how it actually aids uh, what they do and, and helps their job, I think people will see that. There are a certain swath of people that are going to be of a different ilk, you know, a, a purist in some sense in, I don't even know if that's the right word, but just have a different view as to what should be done with a sermon after the fact. Um, and th they won't be convinced and that's okay. It doesn't, doesn't need to be for everybody. But I think the hundreds of people that have shown interest, they can obviously see the potential benefit for uh, how it makes parts of their job um, more efficient and allows, allows them to focus their time on uh, more important, should I say, aspects of, of ministry. Not to mention as well, this is just as much for podcasters. So even taking something like this, like the fact that we could take this podcast after the fact and and use this tool to help write a summary of the show, uh, any other supporting content that we wanted to go along with it, pulling clips, stuff like that. Like that's going to be hugely beneficial to to actual content creators, not not right pastors, not preachers. Yeah, you're exactly right about that. Um, anyone that's a a faith based creator of any kind uh, and has audio, and at some point here in the next few months, video as well, you know will be able to use this for any kind of content that they want to, mm. that they want to create. Let's kind of zoom out a little bit and, and have a larger conversation because AI is just the newest thing in terms of tech. I saw over the weekend, Apple announced their, what what's it called? Mike, do you know their Vision Pro? I think that's what it is. Did you see this? Oh yeah, their VR. Is it the VR it, goggles? Is VR or augmented reality or whatever it is. Let's we see. put on these yeah. goggles and now all of a sudden your actual world is is intermingled with your digital life. Um, mm -hmm. And so technology is going to keep advancing. Obviously, the conversation around ethical use of technology, generally speaking, and specifically within Christianity, is a necessary uh, conversation that we'll need to uh, be actively engaged in for as long as we are using technology. That's been the case for every technological usage and breakthrough ever since the dawn of mankind. David, could you help us think through the Christian use of tech, generally speaking, and are there any kind of principles that should be abided by in terms of helping us determine whether or not something is a completely no-go zone, or if there's always the potential, or almost always the potential to redeem uh, a piece of tech? If it was created, let's say, for... Um neutral purposes, nonviolent purposes? Well, I work on the assumption that um, all wisdom uh, comes from God in the mm. end. Uh, and so uh, the intelligence that we have and how we develop it comes from God. So there's always potentially uh, something redemptive uh, in any new new thing that comes our way, I mean, you could argue, I suppose, about the atomic bomb or something like that. Mm -hmm. But in, <laughs> even there, in the development of nuclear technology, has come med tons of medical applications and mm -hmm. all sorts of good things. So something can be used for good or for bad. Um, but I think that as Christians who believe that all creativity and the ability to to you know to think the ability to develop anything 
at, at any capacity in any area of life comes from God. Therefore, we should be the first people to jump in, at least tried, trying to figure out how it can be used for good. So mm -hmm. I am a big advocate of that. I think that with technology, uh, I think Christians should be the first people in. They should learn how to handle it better than anybody else. It should be used for the glory of God. And in the process of it, you know, we simply use discernment so that, um, you know, it's used redemptively in a, a way that's glorifying to God and helpful to people. But to be stick our head in the sand and to be afraid of it is, that's a bad strategy because people who uh, don't have the well-being of other people in mind are certainly going to get a hold of the technology. And, mm -hmm. and this has been, you know, a wider debate uh, in the media over artificial intelligence, um, where on the one hand, people in the West are saying, well, we have to put boundaries around this and be very careful in the development of it. On the other hand, people are saying, well, look, uh, over in China and Russia and goodness knows where else, uh, there is no such compunction. Right. They're full steam ahead. Uh, and it, and if we lag behind, then we're going to find ourselves outfoxed in a problem here. So I think, I think that we need to jump in and master these kind of things and, and to use them for good as much as possible. Because whether we like it or not, AI is here mm -hmm. and it ain't going to go away. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the way, you know, for our job as, as Christians is to try to become as conversant with it as we possibly can to turn it to God's glory and to, and to good. That, you know, and I say that as a techno idiot. I couldn't even send an email to my bank today in support of my mortgage application because I couldn't find what I'd done with the downloads. And I Googled how do you find downloads on a MacBook? And it, I got lost in that. So, you know, uh, I need a little you know, bit of artificial you know, have been, you know what would have been really helpful there is some AI. <laughs> well, there wasn't much natural intelligence, so I need some artificial. Anyhow, in principle, that's what I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, so, in in Revelation, in in chapter eighteen, it says this beginning in was uh, was starting in verse two, with a mighty voice he shouted. He here being uh, the angel previously mentioned in verse one, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling for demons and a haunt for every impure spirit, a haunt yeah. for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and, de de and detestable animal. For all yeah. the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxury. So John has a warning here about uh, Babylon, and he goes on to say, come out of her, come out of Babylon, my people, which uh, from memory is a uh, call back to Jeremiah's uh, warning to the actual Israelites to come out of Babylon, to rebuild Jerusalem, so that you will not share in her sins. And so that you will not receive any of her plagues. So we could go on. So John draws a, a you know a very stark picture here in terms of Babylon, in terms of her destiny. And there's this call for Christians to 
come out of Babylon. I've been reading quite a bit uh, about the early church, really over the last few years, most recently a, a fascinating book called The Patient Ferment of the Early Church, which I'm really enjoying. Um, and it talks quite a bit about how Christians were heavily engaged in uh, business in the first century. And part of their witness was to be distinctly Christian in their business dealings. So help us kind of understand this a bit. Where's John coming from? What's he asking us to do? Or really, what's the angel asking us to do or commanding us to do here? And how might that have any bearing in terms of Christian use of technology, especially uh, as technology is used in the business realm? Yeah. Well, I mean, I go back to what I said before, that, for instance, money um, is a neutral uh, commodity from a spiritual point of view. People <clears> always <throat> say, oh, no, money's the root of all evil. That's not what Paul said at all. He said the <laughs> love of money. Mm-hmm. is a root of all kinds of evil, not only not the only root, but mm-hmm. it's the love of money. So it's what you do with money that's the problem. And in in the you know what John was writing into in Revelation was a corrupt world system where the Romans had built the economy and put Caesar worship on top of the economy so that you couldn't participate in the economy right. unless you also worship Caesar. Mm-hmm. And this is where we get all everything down to the mark of the beast and not buying and selling. It's got nothing to do with, you know, Bill Gates or uh, the rapture or anything ridiculous stuff like that. It said in the context of the first century. Well, you introduced Revelation, so you expecting me to make a comment on it. So no, I, that's exactly so, why I'm talking to you about it. So what what John is saying is, uh, you know, you can't get involved in a system where there's an ungodly use of money. So how do you, you know, uh, wh- what do you do then? Do you, well, you, you can't withdraw from society altogether. You just have to handle it properly. Jesus said in relation to money, he that is faithful in a few things, you know, uh, if you're not faithful in what belongs to another, don't expect to be given mm-hmm. uh, what belongs to you. That was in the context of money. Jesus taught an enormous amount about money. There are 2,000 verses in the Bible about money. There's only 500 in prayer and 500 in faith, give or take. So uh, the question is, isn't, you know, we run away from money. The question is, we have to run toward the issue of handling money and handle it, handling it properly. Um, same with technology. You, you use it uh, to the glory of God. You, we use money to the glory of God. We need kingdom wealth generators to generate money for the kingdom. There right. are people who know how to handle money in a, in a right way. Same with technology. We need people who will handle technology and master it and use it to the glory of God in a way that serves people. So, you know, I so think... There's a very specific context here in, in terms of the... Thank you. In terms of the uh, uh, economics here in John's w- world, Caesar worship was demanded. And if you did not comply to the worship of Caesar, that brought about economic disadvantages to you. So the temptation, therefore, is to compromise. worship Caesar and compromise. And so uh, that, that is something very distinct. And we would say without hesitation at all that if, if there were anything that demanded that we introduce <clears throat> idolatry into our lives and deny that Jesus alone is Lord, uh, then that would be completely uh, non-permissible as a as a Christian, right? Um, but even then, money wasn't the issue. Right, the issue was idolatry, and mm-hmm. money was just a tool that the Romans used 
to bring about that know, idolatry. Yeah, to bring about the yeah. idolatry. <laughs> yeah. So if for some reason the the doorway into using a certain piece of technology required that you pronounce your faith, <laughs> then by all means walk away from the technology. But that that is not at all uh, what's going on here. So and that's not to say that some technologies, you know, are that are created for solely evil purposes. Uh, there's, there's, I'm sure there's things that should not be redeemed, cannot be redeemed. Well, um, it's hard to say, you know, because mm. a security camera can prevent crime in a free country, democratic country, in an authoritarian country, the same security camera mm. is used as a tool of repression. Right. And, and, uh, so it's a neutral thing in itself. The question is, how is it used? Right. Mike, Would you, you both say, well, I was going to say that was what? somebody asked me over the weekend uh just point blank is do i believe technology is neutral um my answer to that question was yes and they were yes appalled that i would think that um what just i guess quickly what do both of you guys think about that is technology neutral well, um, hang on how did how did they ask you this question literally straight up is technology neutral no 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 but like on like they talked they they walked up to you face to face and asked you that question. No, no, on uh, via Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they this person who thinks that technology is is immoral tweeted at you, right? From, Correct. From what? From a phone? From a piece of technology? There you go. <laughs> Come on. So unless they're willing to say that they themselves are 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 complicit and participating in an evil act by tweeting, exactly. I, I, like what are we talking about here? Well, just, some people Sorry. just take stupidity to a, a different level, but I don't know. Am I misunderstanding that? That's what I I, I know. That's what I when they asked me the question, I thought I I must be misunderstanding something in this conversation because I. I can't wrap my. We're, we were literally on a Twitter Spaces where there was thirty people on Twitter, all using audio via Twitter to have a conversation. <clears throat> and I, I, yeah, I, it was it was it was a fascinating, a fascinating right. question and a fascinating response. And I just said, well, of course it is, and thought that most people, most uh, sensible people, thought the same thing. You know, right? But you know, it surprised me at one bit if. Um, it's tied into dispensationalism and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like the microchip sort of mentality where it's all, you know, uh, the new world order and all of this kind of thing. And people get into this mindset and fear focus and they, they think all of this is evil and wrong, even while they're using it, you know, because it's not an intelligent, it's a fear focus. It's not an intelligent, mm-hmm. um, approach to it so right but what would be tragic is if is if christians walked away from technology i mean that's what the amish have done you know and mm-hmm. and they're tr- trundling around in their horse and buggy still now the funny thing is that you know meanwhile in the back 40 they've got they've got sophisticated factories turning out you name it under diesel generators because they've got a special disposition to you know a special permission to be able to do it but you know we really are are we really 
going to be modern day Amish people who say, well, we're not going to participate in that. And like you say, then, well, then turn your phone off, throw it away mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and be consistent, but mm-hmm. that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if that connects to, to the, the demons thing that you mentioned earlier about chat GPT having demons in it. Like, this is that the like same a powers per- and principalities was, thing? I mean, this was, yeah, this was the same person that said she had a encounter on chat GPT that was demonic with the, with the, the demons. Right. Right. Yeah. Is that, is that possible, David? Like, is that, is that, I, I, to me, like the powers and principalities thing in Paul's mind is probably connected to the political realm. Is there any, is there well, any... I think the powers and principalities are first of all, heavenly supernatural. Demonic. Yeah. But like kind of working behind the scenes to, you know, well, uh, you can, I mean, the, the idea of the beast in revelation is demonic control uh, de- the, where the demonic forces use human governments to oppress right. God's people. Yeah, so yeah, that's what I'm talking about. In. I right. mean, so you could, you know, I mean, you could have artificial intelligence being used in a wrong way. Right. Uh, and there would be a demonic influence behind that. But the demonic right. influence comes from the human being who is generating, the, you know, who has initiated the whole process, not right. from the thing itself. So it's a little bit like yeah, just, the Christians just, in government should, conversation. Like, should Christians be in politics? Well, you know, d- demons are involved in politics, so therefore Christians should back away. No, 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 that's not our argument at all. We would say, well, all the more reason why Christians should be engaged in the socio-political realm uh, to bring about uh, uh, positive outcomes and godly outcomes as opposed to the opposite. So to me, I would see an apples-to-apples correlation here in, in the same uh, application for for tech. Are we all agreed on that? I'm getting a oh, nod from David. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. This is this is great, guys. Check out pulpitai.com. And uh, I thought you were teeing up. I thought you were teeing him up for for you know the the response there. I was I was just keeping my mouth shut. Sometimes he's, I am I, I am teeing David up for a response, but, but then he just kind of nods me and goes, "Yeah, that's right." He's like, "I don't need to say it any other any other way." I love well, that. So, great it's in your wisdom. Pulpitai.com. It won't write your sermon for you. Uh, well, at least that's not our intention. Um, uh, but you can have lots of things write your sermon for you these days. So you know you do what you want. But that's not what we're into. Right. We are into helping uh, people. Uh, create supporting content for the stuff that they've already worked so hard to create. So check it out. Let us know if you're interested and uh, maybe it'll be helpful for you. Thanks so much, Mike. Thank you, Dr. David. We love you. And uh, we'll see you all next week on Good Theology. Peace.